Hi, I'm Meredith Roden, and I'm the host of the Hatchet's weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. On this episode, I'm excited to welcome James Harnett, the Advisory Neighborhood Commissioner that represents George Washington University's campus, and Leah DeGroat, our Metro Editor. So first of all, we found out last week that the university was going to provide a new app for transportation on campus, which includes the Vern Express and the new Safe Rides. And we also found out that students are now going to have access to a discount for Capital Bike Share. So James, can we take it back for a second and just tell us how we got to this place where we have the bike share now and students are going to be able to use that? Sure. So back in March, I met with the director of the Department of Transportation, who's actually a GW alum, to talk about the importance of reducing barriers to access for uh, public transit in the district. So that includes bike share, metro rail, metro bus, the circulator, and all the other forms of transit now that we have with scooters and mopeds that you can rent through uh, mobile device. Um, So we had discussed building new protected bike lanes in the neighborhood and lowering the cost of access to Uh, tools like Capital Bike Share. And I view this as sort of a step towards making sure that students uh, have uh, affordable transportation options and safe transportation options and options that are uh, available everywhere in the city. And uh, with this new discount, we've addressed one of those three pillars. We still need to see new protected bike lanes before students would feel safe biking around uh, Foggy Bottom and the rest of the city. And I'm aggressively moving forward to try to get those built next year. Uh, And we also need to do more to build more bike share stations and expand uh, metro bus routes. But that is an ongoing conversation that sort of begins with this effort. And Leah, can we turn to you to find out more about the new app and some of those university kind of uh, run applications and updates. The university previously offered an app that allows students to track um, the status of Vern Express buses and shuttles to the Virginia Science and Technology campus. Um, They're kind of revamping that app to update the times, um, update the accuracy um, of the frequency of the shuttles, um, and as well as requesting a safe ride. So students can use the app to um, either check the status of a shuttle or request a safe ride on campus. And so on the university side, Leah, Mm -hmm. what are their thoughts for why this is important for students? I met with Karen Zinn, who is the director of the transportation team at GW. I also met with Alicia Knight, who's the senior associate vice president of operations. Um, And what they told me was that they have spent um, part of the spring semester and over the summer speaking with RHA leadership, the Residence Hall Association leadership, um, and uh, student association leadership to garner feedback about the four ride system, about the shuttles, um, and about just transportation issues on campus in general. Um, And they, uh, through their feedback, they've created this new app, um, and they've also revamped the safe ride system. So they've bought um, a new fleet of vehicles for, um, to use for safe ride. Um, They said that the biggest, the biggest, um, the biggest concern they heard from students was that Uh, four rides did not come uh, very quickly. And so with this new system, they hope that safe rides will get to students more quickly and get them around campus more efficiently. And so this is, transportation has been something that has been pretty important to you during your time as an ANC commissioner. So can you tell, tell us why this is something that you think is really important for students and why you've been advocating so much for this kind of thing? 
Sure. So uh, two years ago, I was a part of the student association with uh, President Senchua and, and EVP Nelson. And this was a big priority for them in making the uh, Vern Express and the VSTC shuttle uh, trackable and trackable through a mobile app. We had a conversation at the time with the transportation department about enabling students to be able to get um, use their their um, their G World to pay for Ubers or Lyfts in the district. There were a lot of challenges with that, so we took a look at what was existing within the current capacity of GW's transportation network and figured that if we built a mobile app that would enable students to request a ride just like they do for ride sharing, that's going to provide a lot more uh, uh, safety and an opportunity for use. Uh, we saw a lot of challenges with four ride in drivers that wouldn't show up after they were requested, people that would show up in the wrong locations, and through a mobile app where we can track vehicles, uh, we've taken a great step forward in that. Uh, with the service area that GW has defined, it's much smaller than what existed as part of the four ride program, and I have a lot of concerns with students not being able to take this off of campus, but it continues to be an ongoing conversation. And as part of this change, GW will be reevaluating to see in the future what makes sense uh, to adapt. And uh, that will be something I will be uh, pushing them to do. And I wanted to circle back to something that you said earlier, James, where you talked about how safety is like a big part of this whole thing. Um, and you were part of the movement for the H Street Crosswalk. Uh, this is something that you've done. How do you how do you think that this is going to really improve safety for students on campus? With Capital Bike Share, unlike every other campus in the district, we have the highest ratio of bike share stations and bikes to students. So in that, we have a lot of availability already existing on campus. Uh, that's great, and we need to figure out what safety and affordability pieces are left. I think through this discount, we've addressed the affordability uh, piece of making this accessible to students. And we still have a lot left to do when it comes to safety. There was a student who was hit in the H3 crosswalk last May. Uh, and it shows that even when we take steps forward to address pedestrian safety and biker safety in the district and on campus, most of that work isn't enough. Hmm. Most of that work isn't enough. We still have more to do. We still need to look at what changes need to be made uh, on H Street, what ne changes need to be made across campus in the neighborhood. I also wanted to ask kind of along those lines where you kind of stand on the Metro Pass for students. Um, and because I know that's hit a couple of roadblocks. And is that still something that you think is on the top priority list? It certainly hit roadblocks. And, you know, I've, I've had an opportunity to uh, speak with administrators and officials at Metro about why those um, uh, hurdles uh, appeared. Um, students didn't really get a lot of clarity into the conversations that Metro and the university were having after the referendum in 2016, where students overwhelmingly voted to uh, support building uh, a, a Metro Pass uh, program at GW. Uh, unfortunately, the question that was proposed to students was a little misleading in that it didn't note that if you voted yes, you were making this a mandatory fee for every student on campus. And so because of our location in downtown and because of the, uh, the challenges that exist in making one form of transit more accessible uh, to others, uh, we still have a lot of work to do to make Metro, Metro Rail and Metro Bus affordable for students. 
and I'm very excited to uh, work on uh, and, and be moving forward with some projects over the next few weeks that will be um, uh, speaking more to that. Well, thank you, Leah, and thank you, James, for joining us. Thanks so much. University officials announced last week that the policy of a fixed tuition rate, which has been in place since 2004, will no longer be in place for future students. Lizzie Mentz, our student life editor, is here to talk with us about what this means for students. Lizzie, can you break it down for us? Absolutely. So beginning next fall, so the university will be able to increase students' uh, tuition costs during their time at GW. Now, previously, any student who was under that fixed tuition policy ultimately ended up paying the same amount of tuition costs every year that they were at GW from the moment that they began here to when they ended. That was allotted for 10 consecutive semesters, so your tuition while you were currently enrolled at GW would not change. However, with this new policy, GW officials will ultimately be able to change a certain class's tuition costs during their time at GW. Now, all current GW students, including incoming students, this fall and spring will be grandfathered into the old tuition policy, so all current undergraduate students will not be affected by this change. So basically it's not freshmen are getting this sprung on them, essentially. No, absolutely not. They will still be considered under the old tuition policy because that was their understanding of what they would be paying when they applied and accepted their right. uh, spot at GW. Yeah. And so this has been in place for a long time now. Why this change? Why have officials said this is something they wanted to do? So one of the reasons that the university gave when they first made this announcement is that being able to have the flexibility to change tuition costs and increase throughout the years or make any other types of changes that they want to do will be able to help them meet current needs for students. So one of the projects that they referenced was that the university recently allotted $10 million for renovation projects throughout the university, and that work has actually gotten started over the summer. So that was one of the things that they mentioned in order to be able to allocate funds to these campus improvement projects. Right. And I know that you talked to some experts for this story. What was kind of the general consensus on this move? So according to some of the experts I spoke with, um, the university is changing its policy to most likely align itself with its peer schools. Now, currently, none of GW's peer schools have a current locked tuition policy. That was also something that GW officials mentioned in their announcement. So one expert I spoke with said that the university has likely looked at the number of applicants that it receives and realized that it can still be a competitive school and still obtain and still obtain a lot of applications and still enroll a lot of students but this will allow the university to have some flexibility if they need to increase costs to generate revenue for other projects. So essentially he was saying that the university has now realized that they can still be competitive with other schools 
but also give themselves some space to allocate resources to other projects. And were experts concerned at all about affordability issues for students? So experts told me, said a couple of different things. The general consensus among the experts was that in order for a school to stay competitive um, amongst other schools and continue receiving applications and accepting students is that any time that they change their tuition policy or any time they increase tuition, they have to be able to match the financial need of students with any increase in tuition costs. So the expert says, the expert said that over the next couple of years, if GW does end up deciding to increase tuition costs in order to continue attracting students they're going to be they're going to have to raise the amount of financial aid that they provide students now some experts did say that occasionally when universities like GW and big schools who have had tuition policies in place for so long do make those changes occasionally families are a little bit concerned because they're not quite sure how the new policies are going to work. So they did say that, especially after a new policy is rolled out, universities tend to be more generous with aid because they want to show incoming families that they're still aware of the needs of all of their students or future students. Okay, that makes sense. And I I do think it is worth noting that GW has increased tuition for the last several years, every single year. Absolutely. For the past several years, um, the Board of Trustees have made decisions to increase uh, tuition for the previous... So it's a, very, it's a very real possibility. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Lizzie, for breaking that down for us. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's that time of year again. The first day of classes are upon us, and I've got Sydney Lee, our culture editor, here to talk all things back to school. Let's kick it off with things that you might have missed if you weren't here over the summer. I'm happy to be back, and I'm super excited for the beginning of the school year. Some big things happened over the summer, including a lot of closures around campus. Mm. So some campus faves like Foggy Bottom Grocery Closed and Aubon Pan, and then as well as some things around the district like Sign of the Whale and Buffalo Billards closed down this summer. And do we know why any of these places closed? So it's actually a mystery as to why a lot of them closed, but I know Aubon Pan struggled to get business after a lot of larger chains opened up in 2010. Gotcha. I see. What are some ideas for replacements for some of the places that closed down? One place that actually opened up this summer in the District House basement is Ken Sushi, and it replaced Onalicious Poke, and it has very similar things to the old place. It has poke bowls, it has sushi rolls, and even appetizers like dumplings. Well, I'm sure some people will be mourning those losses for a while, but life moves on, and that means back-to-school shopping and getting adjusted to your living spaces. So what are some of your suggestions for the best way to make good use of your space? Well, one suggestion that I think is really cool is this room divider or like a privacy screen. So if you're moving into a studio apartment, you can use it to separate your living area from your bedroom space. And we found one on Amazon that has built-in shelves, so it's even extra added storage. And I've got to say, I have one of these screens, and I definitely 10 out of 10 recommend. Very useful, and I keep a lot of my hair ties and also decorations on it, so... 
very yeah, much recommend. I feel like it'd be super cute to like have a little plant there or something to spice up your bedroom or living area. I definitely kill all the plants that I touch, but that is a good idea for someone, just not for me. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Yeah, another one that I found when I was looking around was these acrylic toiletry wall pockets, and you can get them at Urban Outfitters, for example, for only $8 each, and they have like these suction cups on them, so you can stick them to your shower tiles or maybe next to or on your mirror in the bathroom, and you can put all the essentials like toothbrush, toothpaste in there, and then use them to separate your stuff from maybe your roommates if you want to keep them in different storage units. What about back-to-school fashion? So, I definitely think silk scarves have been in for a while, and they're definitely going to stay in for the fall, so I would recommend picking up a nice silk scarf that you can wear either around your neck, you can tie it to your bag for a little extra flair, or you can put it in your hair as a headband. And then another item I would definitely recommend for the fall is a white button-down. I think it's a nice thing to invest in for internships if you want to dress it up with a, a pencil skirt, or some nice dress pants, but it's also great for dressing down to a class if you just want to tuck it into a pair of jeans and throw on a leather belt or something. Well, thank you, Sydney, for giving us some tips on back to school. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's all for this week. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Meredith Roten and features culture editor Sydney Lee. This podcast is produced by assistant video editor Jacob Fulvag, assistant photo editor Ariel Bader, and podcast host Meredith Roten. Music is produced by Oak Studio. A special thanks this week to James Harnett, Leah DeGroat, and Lizzie Mentz for joining us.